Welcome back to the Technology in Worship podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Coleman, and I'm here with my good buddy, Benji Satorius. And we have made it through Easter. Yes, we have. It's been amazing. Yeah, there are a lot of fun things done with large choirs. Uh, you had some dancing at your service. Yeah, so we had one song with um, some kids doing a little dance routine, which was pretty cool. Yeah, we just, we had a full weekend. So Something crazy that we were, we talked about earlier in an episode, because we were talking about how many microphones you use for vocalists. Yeah. So this Easter, we actually had 11 really? vocalists on handhelds. Is that because there wasn't enough in the choir? I kind of made that call because oh, okay. we had uh, five vocalists scheduled as like worship leaders, which is a little, that's usually like one or two more than what we normally have. And then six. And in we the had choir. like five or six sign up for being in the choir. And I'm just like, I don't think that they're going to be able to produce enough sound in a choir aspect with a live band. Yeah, I made the call to give them all individual microphones. Wow. Yes. I mean, you have them available, which we is do. nice. We do. They were all on wireless. And yeah, it, uh, it was pretty cool. So we also had a, a horn section. So we had a flute and sax or two sax, I think, and then a trumpet. Yeah, it was it was cool. Hopefully you had a great Easter. Um, we Ho- would, hopefully you got some rest. Yeah, or hopefully re- or you're resting, resting now. now. Yes, every, every uh, church tech person should be resting right now. Yeah, made it through a... Crazy, crazy couple days, yep. yeah, because there's Good Friday. So you guys did one service for Good Friday? Yeah, one packed service for Good Friday, four services throughout the weekend for Easter. So we did something new for Good Friday, which is a, we're calling it a Good Friday experience. So we did not have an actual service, but we had, we basically set up our campus with multiple stations throughout our whole campus where there was a communion station, a gospel station, uh, a worship station, lots of different stations. There was a, another person that was like an actor. Oh, really? Yes. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so pretty cool. So people could come and go when they wanted to. Um, it was open for like an hour and a half or two hours or something like that. And they just come and went. And yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Then we did four services for Easter. Two on Saturday, two Sunday morning. Do you think you'll do it again? So we haven't met yet since uh, a lot of us took the week off after Easter. So we have not met, but I would say we probably will do it again. Yeah, whether it's next year or in sure. five years. Right, yep. Very cool. Yep. I think that about sums up our Easter's. Easter wrap Just up. a quick briefing on those. Yep. But... We would like to hear how your Easter's were, so... Shoot us a message. Shoot us a message and follow us on Instagram. Yes, please do. Technology in worship. So, but this episode, we are talking about the importance of having a good source. And when I say source, that is lots of different areas. So that's the band, that's vocals, that's when you make videos, basically anything that is an input into your board 
would be a source and how important that is to have a good source. So Eric, let's, uh, let's first talk about, of course, why is it important to have a good source? Getting it right at the source is important because while you can like edit and manipulate it in post-production or in live sound, like you can turn up the volume or different things like that, you do hit limits where you can't increase the volume anymore or you or you get maybe you had it too gained up in your system and now you have distorted audio which would not be getting it right at the source that would that would not that be right that would be the opposite of that so it's really important to dial in all of those settings ahead of time and settings or techniques ahead of time so that you can get quality audio or quality content really and and clear and clear content yes for live production for post video editing or for post mixing of a broadcast or live album recordings yep so it's super important cuz I think distorted audio is probably the one that comes through the most often. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't fix that. There's no fixing that. Um, I mean, you can, you can, if it's a volume problem, you can turn it up or down within a certain amount, but you can't fix distortion. If something, you know, a microphone's in the wrong place, you might be able to do something with the EQ, maybe. Maybe. Depending on what the source is. But if it's distorted, like you just, you can't, use that. And even with vocals, you can kind of do some auto-tune like we talked about, but it's still important for the vocalist to know how to sing. Yeah. One of the most important parts of your worship services is your screen. Think about it. Everyone in your congregation looks to your screen for song lyrics, sermon notes, announcements, and scripture. It's a big deal. To keep your screens looking their very best, look no further than Church Motion Graphics. CMG has all of the eye-catching worship backgrounds, sermon and announcement slides, countdown videos, and more to bring your screens to life. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com now to find your next great look. I guess tuning of an instrument is definitely important to get it right at the source. I can't fix an out-of-tune guitar. Especially live. Right. I mean, occasionally I've jumped in over talk back and said, hey, you're out of tune. Yeah. Or I've also had those moments where I'm too late to it. And after the service, I had to tell someone, hey, you were out of tune that song. <laughs> so in that moment, I'm not getting it right at the source. So it's important to get it right at the source because you but want some the- of that. I would say tuning. Let's just say for an example, if it was tuned with during rehearsal and it was not in tune at the service, like the start of the service, whether they were messing with it or they dropped it by accident, whatever it might be. Unfortunately, like that's out of your hands as far as like getting it right at the source. Now, obviously, yes, you can communicate overcome or through their monitor or whatever. Hey, your guitar is out of tune. Hopefully they're a semi-good musician and they can hear that it's out of tune and they would fix it. But, you know, some of that stuff, like it is out of your hands, unfortunately. Like there's only so much you can do to fix tuning 
basically. I would say most of everything else you can probably, like that really falls on you as the audio person. But yeah, tuning is uh, a little difficult, obviously, for us to control. For us to control, but we're usually the first to notice it, I think. But it's also one of those things that even if we did notice it and they're in the middle of a song, it's pretty difficult just turn it to up. like stop <laughs> playing right, right and tune your instrument. It's yeah. like it's almost like, well, is it better just to keep going with it or turn it down? It, and it also depends on the instrument and what that instrument is doing during that part of the song. Yeah. Because, you know, if it's an acoustic guitar and it's a Chris Tomlin song that is led by acoustic, it's kind of hard for that acoustic to stop and tune. Versus, you know, it's the acoustic guitar is just more of a straight rhythm instrument for a song and not really doing much. They could probably stop, depending on the part of the song, tune and keep going again. Yes. So, yeah. So all that to say, it's important to get the source material right for a variety of reasons. Yes. Most importantly, because we do want to Worship God with, with excellence, yep. with the best. And part of that is having it right at the source and making sure that our vocalists are in pitch, making sure that instruments are tuned, making sure that we have the right microphone technique. Let's talk about drums, tuning drums. You're jumping right there. I'm going right to the drums. All right, let's go. Drum tuning. Drum tuning. At harvest. At harvest. How does that happen or who does that? Who's responsible for that? How often do you change drum heads? Give me the lowdown. Uh, We have a designated drummer who's in charge of changing the heads and tuning our drums. But we have brought in outside consultants to kind of check and balance our system. Yeah. And the most recent time we did that, we really dialed in our drum sound and we've kind of continued that progression since then. Got it. How often do they check the tuning or how often do they change the heads? We're changing our heads about bi-monthly. Okay. Nice. And tuning is hop in the kit. You can quickly check it. Yep. And but is it only that is is it only that one drummer? Yeah, so I guess that's happening pretty much every other week. Okay. Because we're on an every other week rotation. Right. Got it. How do you do it? So we change our heads, I would say once a quarter is typically what we've been doing. So we just changed ours uh two uh two weeks ago, just before Easter. We have one drummer that does that. So we have like six or seven drummers at Mission. and Quite a few. That's a lot of drummers. And they all know not to touch the drums without asking either the one drummer that tunes it or myself. So if they bring something to my attention, hey, I'm noticing this, then we may address it together or I might let this other drummer know, hey, this is what we're noticing. Can you come in and fix it. So then he'll come in and and fix that. We use a tune bot. This is something new for us. We just got it. Oh, really? I've yes. heard of it. Yeah, so we just got it and we're going to start really dialing in like 
a tone, I would say, or like a starting point for our drums. So that would be a little bit, little bit easier. Like I could do it. I don't play drums, but I know how to tune. But if I knew like the reference number or note that we're going for for each drum, then I could do that as well. One issue that we do have is like during the summer, nothing really happens in our worship center during the week. So we don't run our AC. So it gets pretty hot and humid in that room. And then obviously during the weekend, AC kicks on. Yeah. And obviously that affects the tuning. Same thing like in the winter, it gets really cold in there. We don't run the heat that much in that room. So it does affect the drums quite a bit. So now with this tune bot, we'll be able to, I could come in on Saturday before anyone comes in, make sure everything's dialed in and we're set to go. So the tune bot is basically a drum tuning device. Yep, just a little thing like, that clips on the 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 drum and measures a either a tone, like a frequency tone or a note. So do you have a reference point for like what each drum should be at? I personally do not yet. Because it's brand we new. We just got it, yeah. So you will. Yeah, so my thinking is, and I talked to our worship pastor about this, my thinking is we'll get as many of our drummers together like one night maybe and really like set a tone or like a reference point and use the tune bot and figure out what that number is that satisfies majority of our drummers or all. And then that will be our, our target for each drum. Then really anyone could come in and take care of the tuning as long as you have a printout of, yeah, anyone who's knowledgeable on how to do it. Right. Um, Just don't go cranking on those lugs. Just, just because, just because, (laughs) but then anyone could, that's good. I like that. I might need to get one of those. Yeah. So we've, we just got it, so we're still brand new with it. But it's a goal of mine to do that. And then also with our other campus, we don't have a, like a full-time drummer yet, but we're working towards that. And then obviously we would want to translate that over to there as well. So then we know, okay, this is what our snare or tom or whatever it might be is tuned to and both campuses would be tuned to the same. So with the drums, that is one of the instruments that you have accessible on site. Yeah, it never leaves. Never leaves. So when you were purchasing those... The drums? The drums, okay. specifically. What was going through your mind as far as making sure that they are a quality set of drums? Because where I'm leading with this is it's important to have the right instrument quality instruments quality instruments yeah. for getting the right source as well right so we have a drummer that is probably one of the best drummers in the area and he started a long time ago with our Saturday service drumming basically every Saturday so that when that service started a long time ago like 18 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. It was technically actually a separate service than Sunday. So it was a separate band, separate teaching, separate people, separate everything. It was in the same room, but everything was different. And so he played every Saturday for that. Then we made the switch where everything was the same service. He stayed on for a while. Then he took some time off. He came back and he's on now. 
but he recommended the drum set that we've got now, which is a Yamaha kit. Uh, I think it's birch wood. There's lots of different types of wood out there. I'm not a drummer, so I'm not, I'm not up to be like, oh, we should do this or that. It sounds really good. It's a really nice kit. It was a lot of money. We bought it probably, I have no idea, probably 15 years ago, maybe. We've had a, a long time. Maybe not quite 15, maybe like 10 or 13 years ago, probably. So, yeah, we've had it a while and it sounds really good. We like it. It fits good in our room. So, but it costs like multiple thousands of dollars. So, it was it was a big purchase that we made, but it also lasts and it sounds good. We didn't go to Walmart and buy the $100 drum you set. You did? No, we did not. Oh, I thought you did. That's why it sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> no. So with that said, that also goes for guitars and microphones and everything else. If you have a poor quality guitar, whether that's electric or acoustic, it's going to sound poor. So we're talking about having good sources. And, you know, we do not expect our musicians to go out and buy the best of everything. Like, with their own money. So obviously there has to be some sort of middle ground, middle ground there that is within reason. However, with that said, you know, if, if someone shows up with a poor quality instrument, we do have some instruments within our building that we could grab, whether that's a bass or acoustic or whatever that they could use. We have not had to do that. Like we've had high schoolers. We have a lot of high schoolers on our team and, adults and all of that and they all have really good instruments once you start playing a lot more i feel like that's kind of something that naturally comes right you just you start you gotta noticing, start somewhere yeah you start somewhere you buy the guitar at best buy yes <laughs> i've seen them they have them. i there. know they do um and then you start playing or that also weeds out those that aren't playing as they get discouraged yep. and then they stop playing. Yep. But then you end up at the local guitar shop and you try out a nice fancy tailor yep. or something and, and you're sold. And like, it sounds amazing. You try it in an amplifier at the store and yep. you're good to go. So it's just kind of something that as a musician, I feel like comes pretty natural to like want yeah. something better. And there's a lot to that because one, yes, they sound better, but they also last longer. You buy a nice drum set, you buy a nice keyboard, nice microphones, and those will last way longer than a hundred dollar in of time any, of any and of in durability. Right, you'll end up spending more money in the long run because eventually you're probably going to get that nicer piece of gear eventually. So obviously you have to be responsible, and you can't just blow out all your money on the right away at the first purchase but you do need to think a little bit of a ahead as well of what you're going to use that equipment for and and all that stuff there was one time where i needed quite a bit of money outside of my budget to buy new wireless microphones and so i went to the board and said hey i need x amount of dollars for all these microphones and one of the board members said, why do you need to spend $1,500 on a microphone? Mm. Like I've seen the $100 ones on Amazon. 
why can't you get one of those? That's a little tough to sell to someone that doesn't, they obviously don't have a clue of what quality is in a microphone or production in general, let alone this microphone. So it's hard to talk about the signal distance and the clean RF signals and all the frequency availabilities of these microphones and all this stuff and the capsules and all this, all this stuff to someone that clearly has no idea. So, because there there's plenty of people that are like, why do you need a thousand dollar microphone? Why do you need a thousand dollar guitar? Just why? buy the one at Best Buy. Right. And just play it. Yeah. So, but I talked to them and told them why, and this is the issue that we're having, and this is what we need to solve, and blah, 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 and I got my microphones. Yay. So, but that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. So, I think it's one of those things, too, where you can compare it to something else. Like, you can say, well, would you buy $2 flip-flops, or would you prefer the comfort of... A $50 pair of flip-flops. The funny thing is, this person probably would have went with uh, 25 pairs of the $2 ones versus one pair of the $50 ones. Okay, so maybe that's a bad example. (laughs) I think, actually, one of the examples I did say was, have you ever been to the local high school play and half of their microphones just cut in and out and they don't work? And they're like, yes. I'm like, do our microphones cut in and out? They're like, no. There you go. And then that's when they're like, okay, buy okay. them right now. Yes. So like, yeah, if your microphones are cutting it out, like you probably either are on a bad RS uh, frequency or there just might not be good quality to begin with. So there's only so much you can do with the quality of your gear. Okay. So on the side of instruments, we talked about the tuning of the drums. Yes. But we should probably hit on the tuning of our actual guitar or That's pretty important. piano, whatever we're yep. playing. But we do have to have a quality instrument. And it's almost like alongside of having a quality instrument, we have to have an instrument that is in tune. Otherwise, yes. it doesn't matter if you're playing a $2,000 right. Taylor. You could be playing a $2,000 Taylor and it not be in tune and it's going to sound terrible. Or you could be playing a $300 Breedlove mahogany wood finish acoustic guitar, have it in tune and it sounds fantastic. I think a lot of it, I mean, the instrument does play a big part in the tone and the sound of someone playing it. But it also comes down to the player. This is true. Like, just because you buy the exact same acoustic as Chris Tomlin does not mean you're going to sound like Chris Tomlin or the same electric guitar and the same patches as Lincoln Brewster. You're not going to sound exactly like Lincoln Brewster. Like, there are techniques and things that happen with the player that make a big difference in that. But tuning is... Uh, Yes, very important. I would rather, I don't know if I should say this, but I'd probably rather have a $100 guitar that's in tune with a really good player than a $1,000 guitar that's with a bad out, player. With a bad player or that's out of tune. Oh, I 100% agree. 
So the players just as important as the material or the the gear. The gear itself and even having the gear in tune. Yeah. So first first step find good players. Second step have good instruments. Third step make sure that instrument is in tune. Yes. Fourth step miking. Miking. Because miking is like there's a lot of different things to mic and there's a lot of different types of microphones. So obviously we were talking about drums. You have microphones on drums. There are a million different types of drum microphones out there for whatever price you want to pay, basically. And if you got an electric guitar amp in the back room, hopefully not on the stage because we want a silent stage. Mm, amen to that. Right? So we just talked about that in a previous episode. If you have an electric guitar amp off stage, you have a microphone probably on it. Where are you putting that? Where are you pointing it? Is it center of the speaker? Is it on the outside? What type of microphone it is? It all plays into account of that tone that you're going to get into your board and into your sound system. Let's talk about vocal microphones. Since we've kind of already talked about drums, not microphones in general, but or not microphones specifically, but let's talk about vocal microphones. What do you guys use for your vocal microphones? At Harvest, we are running Shure ULX okay. wireless microphones yep. with a Beta 87 head. Okay. Except for our worship pastor is on the V7 head, mm -hmm. which I picked up from the MXU guys. And then I also bought one for myself, a wired version. I think they're pretty fantastic. So yes, I did hop on that train when that train came around. And then we also have a few Sennheiser. And by few, I mean a couple, two Sennheiser wireless microphones that really we're borrowing from one of our volunteer team members. Got it. Uh, so that kind of... And then we have a wired Beta 87 available to us and then several Beta 58s and 58s yep. laying around yep. for any additional miking that we need to do for vocals. Yep. Usually we're okay within the range of four to six vocalists. Anything after six, we have to wire them in. Got it. So I usually put like an acoustic guitar or someone who's not going to really move around too much on a wired microphone at that point. Right. So at Mission, we use Shure QLX microphones. I believe the first five or six are the QLX. All the other ones, because we've got so many of them, are ULX microphones. And the capsules for... Our, most of our vocalists are the SEV7s. Sometimes we do have a KSM-8 mm. as well that we will use. Occasionally, we do a Shure Beta 87 as well. It kind of depends on the vocalist, depends on where they're standing on stage because we have drums not in a cage, so all that bleed and pickup and stuff like that. But along those lines, we've been working really hard with our vocalist 
how they hold their microphone. Microphone technique. Yes, which is super, super, super important. Which even applies to what we're doing right now with our podcasts. Yeah. Example, I am about a fist from my microphone. You are. And it's pointed directly into my mouth and there's a pop filter. There is. Now I'm going to move back several feet. Now there's a whole arm and a half between me and the microphone and you can hear a lot of extra ambient noise. Not good, especially Uh, if you have a live drummer behind you. Yes. So there was a video that popped up on Facebook by uh, David Schlegel that showed microphone technique and it was amazing. So he showed different areas of where you hold the microphone. If you point it this way or that way, the tone changes. If it you pull it away from your mouth, how the tone changes. And I would say up until that point, most of our vocalists were pretty good with technique. Like I'm usually telling them, get it closer to your mouth or our worship pastor is paying attention and he makes sure that it's pointed correctly. But it really helped for a visual and you can audibly hear the difference with this video. So it's easy to send off to our team and say, hey, take a look at this three or five minute video, whatever it was. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Just like the nasally sound, if the microphone is pointed up a little bit, how you get more of a nasally sound versus like straight on your face. It makes a big difference. It does. And then it also, I mean... One, it does change the tone for the better, but it also helps a ton with bleed into the microphone from drums, if you have electric guitar amps, stage wedges, all that type of stuff. So it makes a big difference just having the microphone close to your face. Now your face is basically a shield for that microphone. So it's not going to pick up all that room noise. Right. Wouldn't it be great if you could just snap your fingers and immediately you'd get people more involved at your church? Picture it. People would press in during worship. They'd be fully focused during your sermons and they would be excited to hear announcements. This is the wish of many churches because we all know the struggles of getting the attention of our community. That's where our friends at Church Motion Graphics can help. CMG equips churches with a large library of eye-catching graphics for worship, sermons, announcements, and more that will help you get attention and move your community forward in their faith. With just a few clicks, your church can start looking great, reaching more people and getting more involvement than ever. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com today. So on the lines of microphone technique, one habit that Benji and I have together as friends is that we send each other or we're just watching each other's streams from time to time, just checking in, seeing how things are going from a production side of things. It's pretty fun. It really is. And it does help at least me get better. (laughs) I don't know if I'm helping (laughs) you too much. Well, step your game up a little bit. Um, And one of the things that Benji points out to me uh, is vocal technique, microphone technique. Yeah. And that's something that we're working toward. It has has gotten better. It has gotten better. Not that it's been like 
uh, like bad. Right. Either like terrible, terrible. It's just one of those things that when you do get the microphone closer to the source, it can sound. You can overdo it, but generally, that's how a microphone's designed. Is yeah. To be. I mean, if that microphone gets even from like one inch from your mouth to five inches, like the tone just changes drastically. It's much quieter. Typically, the voice will sound thinner, not as full. And then you're just opening up that capsule to just taking in all the room noise and just all the noise around the microphone. And it's just, yeah, get that microphone as close as you can. Let's talk about, so we've talked about microphones and instruments and vocalists. We haven't really touched on the computer audio video side of things. And I don't think we need to go too in-depth with it because we've talked about it on previous episodes of filming and having good audio and things like that. But having a good source of audio in your videos is just as important as all the stuff that we've just been talking about. For live. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, if the audio is super soft and you have to crank the gain in order to get it at a good volume, you you raise the noise floor and you typically will have like a hiss or a buzz in the system, especially from a computer and those things. So it's it's very important to have nice, clean audio. One trick that we do when we film our videos in-house, shout out to Jeff Sandstrom and Chris Tomlin and the team over there. I heard this trick from them. So I was at one of their shows quite a few years back and they opened up one of their shows with a video. And I'm like how do you make sure that your audio is so balanced from speaking to music with all these different types of venues that you go to? I always feel like most churches and most venues, the background music's usually too loud or too soft and you can't do anything about that. So he told us their trick and so we've been doing it ever since. So anytime we make a video in-house, we pan our speech to one side and our background music to the other side. So let's just say speech to the left, background music to the right. Now you do lose the stereo imaging if that was super important to you, which if that's the case, you could actually break that out to three channels if you absolutely needed to. In our case, it's not that big of a deal. It's just background music and that's it. So this allows us to rate or change the volume of just the speech or just the background music without affecting the other one. So it's been a game changer. Game changer. That plus, plus we're now, you know, with multiple campuses, now we're making videos for multiple rooms, different campuses, things like that. So now we don't have to say, oh, the music's too loud or it's too quiet. Can you go re-edit your video? Right. No, we just we can fix it live in the room on the fly. And it's no big deal. It's pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah, I don't do that right now. When we make videos in-house, I also have time to play it back in the room, usually. And so do we. But let's just say you've got your video all made and the balance isn't quite right. You just took the time to export it, import it into ProPresenter. Now you got to turn your sound system on. Redo it again. Sound check it. Oh man, it's not right. Very Go good back point. to the computer, change it. Hopefully you changed it enough 
and not too much. Like if it's, let's just say the background music was too loud, you'd bring it down. Hopefully you didn't bring it down too much because then you'd have to go back up with it. True. Then re-export it, get it back into ProPresenter, sound check it again, and hopefully it's right. And one thing I wasn't thinking through is that you may edit it specifically for posting online. And it might be totally fine. Like, right. But you would need to create a separate export, which I guess you still are creating a separate export. But regardless, it's an easy system that right. anyone can do. Right. Plus, for y- in your case, you're sound checking it in an empty room versus five, six, seven, eight hundred people in your room is going to change that tone at least a little bit. Yeah. So, and in their context with Chris Tomlin's crew, they're going to different venues all the time. Yep. So that totally yep. helps them know. It's a good tip. Yeah. Plus, we can, I mean, we can finagle that audio source within a video if we wanted to. You know, if it's a, a promo video for something, we could boost that volume at a certain point or cut that audio at a certain point and not affect the speech part of it. So we can kind of build some energy slash dynamics within a video on the fly live, which is pretty cool too. A little bit of a bunny trail here, but what happens when you get a video from someone else? Do you play it back and you just bring both of those faders up to unity? Not unity necessarily, but you just bring them both up equally together? Or do you ask them to send in a video with it panned left, right? What what have you done? Or It do really you depends. Not? It depends on the video and what the video is used for. We, I can't remember the last time we played a video that we did not make. It's been a long time. And maybe I should, maybe I'll go a step further. I can't remember the last time I played a video that we didn't make that had speech and background music. Like we'll play video, like we'll do a bumper video or we'll, we'll do a different video that might just have just music, but not speech with it. But yeah, it's been a long time since we played a video that had both in it. Now, if there was a case where we did that, we would probably just use the music channel of ProPresenter and just run that up because we also have different EQs and compression and we have subs sent to the music channel, but not the speech channel. So we have aux fed subs so we can pick and choose what goes where. So we have an EQ, our EQ is different on both channels. So I do have a double patch of ProPresenter. So if I needed to really do like, if I needed true stereo for a video that we were playing, I would use those other two channels. That is a true left and right. It's the same, you know, both sides. But if it's just, you know, a 30 second clip of some video that doesn't need true stereo and all this stuff, I would probably just run our right channel of ProPresenter up, hear it, and then fade it back down. Cool. And in our room, we don't have a true stereo system in our worship center. So we have a center cluster of speakers. We don't have a like a left a true left and a true right speaker that's spread apart. Gotcha. So it's not makes super, a difference. Yeah, it's not super critical for us for our room. So thanks for coming down the bunny trail with me. Hop hop. A lot of the techniques for microphone techniques for tuning tuning the drums, the guitar a lot of that isn't possible 
without having a good relationship between the production team and the band. Correct. Because all of this, we wouldn't want to just jump in and grab someone's microphone and shove it in their face without having a prior relationship. It's true. We, as the audio guys, it's kind of our job to create a mix for the room. And if you have to critique somebody or give them some advice or suggestions, if you don't have that relationship, it can come across as like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm the guitar player, not you. You can't tell me how to play my guitar or drums or whatever it might be. So without that relationship and that trust, it's hard to have that conversation. Yeah, and those two teams basically as one team. So I think some churches look at those two teams as two teams where once you get that relationship part nailed down, you're really one team in two separate places. Departments. Basically, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's times where you know, a guitar player might rehearse something at their house and then they come to rehearsal on stage with all the other members and in a live room and whatever they just practiced just doesn't sound like it did in their room or they still might think it sounds good. And there's been times where I'm like, hey, I don't really think that what you're doing right now for that part of the song is very good or we you we have two electric guitar players playing the exact same part why doesn't one play something different or not play at all just because you have an instrument doesn't mean you have to play it a hundred percent of the time at a hundred percent volume at a hundred percent volume with every single song so there are times where you know you just don't play or don't sing or whatever it might be. So I'm not really the person that necessarily does that. Like, hey, we don't need everyone singing at all at the same time. Our worship leader is a really good vocalist. So he really controls that side of it and he does a really good job with it. But yeah, there's times where I'm like, hey, that riff or whatever, that strumming is the exact same strumming as the acoustic guitar player. Can we change octaves? Can we not strum or Just whatever it might be. Do something different. different and it makes a big difference. So, and again, I don't play any, well, I play bass guitar. I don't play acoustic or electric. So for me, I got to have those relationships with those people or the drummers or the keyboard players to say, hey, can we do something different? And they need to know that they need to trust me that I'm not saying that they're a bad player or they don't know what they're doing. They just need to know and trust that the decisions that I'm doing or making are for the good for everybody in our room and our context. So more important than any of these other things, I believe that production relationship with the band and worship team is supreme. Yes. So work on it. You don't want to... You don't want to fake it. You don't want to have an argument an hour or half hour or 10 minutes before service between the production team and the worship team. 
and then fake that you like each other during service during a service yeah like that is just awful you cannot do that have a relationship with those guys and girls and you know it's it's super important like i'm part about being the church yep and we wouldn't even probably want to take communion if we had a bad relationship with someone on our team yep yeah i'm constantly texting band members and my production team and Facebook posting, commenting on their stuff and doing life together. Yeah. It's just, it's important. So we, uh, we value relationships a whole bunch here. So, you know, I think I've said it before in a previous podcast, but when our teams come in, we, unless they're late, like we don't just, Oh, get your stuff ready. We got to go and we got to start. We got blah, blah, blah. It's a, Hey, how's it going? What's new this week? How was your vacation? How, whatever, how's work? And so we do all of that stuff when we all arrive. So then we kind of slide into a rehearsal time. So, and then, like you've already said, when critique or change comes up, you have that relationship built much easier. Yeah. I've had very few pushbacks. And I mean, I've had some and I mean, I've been on staff for almost seven years now. So I would say it'd be pretty difficult or impossible not to have a pushback. But again, we're all on the same team. We're all trying to accomplish the same goal. And I think everybody realizes that at the end of the day, like we're still friends and tough calls might have to happen, but it is what it is. And move on and we move on and things are great. Part of that is definitely facilitated by the relationship between the technical lead and the worship pastor. That's where it starts. starts, with it, the, starts. it starts with the leaders. It starts with the pastors and the staff and the leaders of the church. So in a future podcast, we will be bringing in a guest to kind of talk through that yep. relationship. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, some exciting things are happening we have selected a winner for the Philo we conference have. ticket. We have. So they will be contacted and we'll get them the information to get their free ticket to yep. the Philo conference. Yep. And our winner for the CMG premium subscription has also been contacted. They have, they have. They have. So we get some happy uh, listeners out there. Congrats over there. Yep. So to stay up to date on our podcast and other future giveaways, be sure to follow us on Instagram. And we love Tech- hearing from our listeners. Follow us at Technology in Worship. Technology in Worship on Instagram. Yep. And we do love hearing from our listeners. So be sure to follow and comment frequently. Or DM us or if you've got us. a question or hey, you didn't like what what I said, so you can let us know. And And in all of this, we still are figuring it out in our context as well. So I thought you had it all nailed down. No. Dang it. So please be patient with us from time to time, (laughs) especially if you're serving on our teams. Uh, But we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.